hello, fearless females. Welcome back to another episode of Journey of a Fearless Female. I am your host, Paola Rosser, and this week, my guest is Anjua Maximo. She has been coaching women on owning our sacred sensuality and goddess mentality for over 10 years. In her signature pure movement classes, Anjua helps women define what's sexy and sensual to them through a style of intuitive erotic dance that inspires their body to tell its story. With her electric life coaching, she helps women define their goddess mentality by owning their voices and taking inspired action to create for themselves. In a society that continues to profit off of a woman's insecurities, Anjua's goal is to create space for those ready to take up space. She is here to be the mirror and shine the light on the very power that has always resided within us all. Everybody, please welcome Anjua. Hi. Hi. Thank you so much. That's so beautiful, Paola. Oh my God. I am super excited to have you on my podcast. First of all, everybody, I found her on TikTok. I'm just obsessed with TikTok. Seriously. <laughs> I, it took me forever to get there. I'm glad me, I'm there. Oh my God. Me too. I actually I interviewed a woman on my podcast and she goes, Paola, why aren't you on TikTok? And I was like, you know, everybody got made me scared about the Chinese communists. And I was like, I don't want to be on it. <laughs> And then she goes, it's got nothing to do with that. She's like, you know, they're following us on every platform anyways. Why don't you just make money? And so I got on there and I've just met the most incredible humans on TikTok. I think it's a whole different game. People are showing up authentically there. And when I saw your videos, I was like, I need to know this woman. And I quickly go to your Instagram and I just, I love what you are doing. So tell us about your journey. How did this all began? Take us back to the beginning before you started, you know, peer movement classes and all that. It really comes into play with growing up in New York City, young Black Latina girl, and really understanding very early on how the male gaze was going to affect me. And I remember the, you know, one of the earliest incidents of not feeling like one of the boys or understanding that there was going to be a difference. I was about 12 years old and I was with my cousins. We're in the Bronx, right? And we're like walking around, whatever, hanging out. And we, my cousins are boys, right? And we're walking by a group of boys that are sitting on a car. And as we walk by, one of them whistles at me. And I'd never had that before, at, even at 12, right? Maybe, maybe I was a little younger, maybe 10 or 11. And I panicked and I remember I ran upstairs crying because I felt a mixture of fear Mm. and I couldn't understand why I felt embarrassed. You know, I felt just all these, these new things and I didn't understand, you know? So it it was from there that I think I really started to understand, okay, there's going to be a difference. And, you know, do I like the reaction that it causes? And of course, sometimes I did, I learned that I did. But it was definitely a thing where I I knew that moving through the city was going to feel different for me than, let's say, my guy friends, you know. Absolutely. Um, And again, on top of that, culturally, I would say there was a difference in how I was built. Okay, so my mom's family, who I grew up with primarily, they're Puerto Rican, New Yorkans, and very classic Latina bodies. You know, they've got the hips, they got ass, you know, they've got breasts. Well, if it's one or the other, but something's popping somewhere, right? And then I kind of came out and I'm like a rail, like I'm like thin, you know? And I remember they would like call me flaca and they're like, what happened with this one? You know what I yeah. Mean? And, oh girl, I yeah. got the same stuff. <laughs> yeah, you know, very much made to feel like not, not, like there was something off with me. Um, And then, you know, noticing again, as I, you know, did get into boys, which boys liked me and which ones didn't. And yeah. a lot of times I didn't get a lot of, you know, attention from the boys that were Black Latino that I liked. 
Yeah. Because they're like, you don't have enough ass. Like we need you to be thick. We, you know what I mean? So there was this comparison. thing. So I kind of had a little dysmorphia where oh. I would try to hide myself under bigger clothing. I tried to, for a while, you know, just try to appear bigger, to appear tougher even so that I also didn't feel so um, vulnerable. People love to walk up to me and grab my wrists, which are very small and hold me and be like, God, I could just snap you in half. And they would say it like joking and, you know, very nonchalantly. But to me, it automatically made me feel how small and frail and vulnerable I am. Oh, my Um, gosh. Yeah. So it's just all these things kind of, you know, go into what I think is a lot of young women's experiences. I don't think it was anything necessarily unique and how I processed it. But I think as I got older into my 20s, really, too, understanding how much then it became about my body when I did grow into it. When, yeah. you know, men were now paying attention. Now it became about the validation still. Yeah. I think there's a lot there to unpack because yeah. we have this conversation of like girls who grew up, you know, big and they're being made fun of us being fat. And, you know, they mm-hmm. called me all kinds of names and they don't stop to think that the women on the other side of the spectrum who are skinny and no matter how hard, cause I was super skinny growing up. I mean, my, my sisters would call me popotes legs of straws because my my legs were straws you know they would say I had no butt and look at her she mm-hmm. has you know what I mean so and I I too would get the same thing where people would come up and look at my you know wrists and say oh I could snap you or I could hurt you mm-hmm. and it does make you feel vulnerable and you also like you said you were wearing baggy clothes like I remember trying to eat more so that I can gain more weight and mm-hmm. no matter how much I ate I couldn't gain weight I just was, it took me a long time to like get to that place where I could gain weight. And people don't understand that either side of the spectrum, either too skinny or you've gained weight, we all have the same insecurities. I think even if someone who has like the perfect weight size or whatever, you would consider them a model, they would say they would still find insecurities. Well, I don't like my nose or I don't like this, or I don't like that. All of us, we're all like in this elusive race to be perfect. And instead of just realizing that we're perfect just as we are, and we're all made in different shapes and sizes, and there's someone out there that's going to look at us and say, wow, you're beautiful because of this. I mean, but that's it exactly is that here's the thing. I, I love when movements get started. I just wish they had more nuance. Mm. <laughs> okay. Because I feel like just as, as human, as humans go, we, we latch onto something and then we run and we yeah. run and we don't check and think through. And I, I just feel like we run and we latch on and we go to the extremes on everything, right? We're yeah. either shutting it down or we're, or we're going off on it. And I feel like when, you know, this whole kind of movement to be more accepting of different body types came along, it had to come always at the detriment of putting down mm-hmm. somebody else. So it was this whole real women campaign. And I was like, okay, but wait, because last time I checked that model has a heartbeat and a brain. She came out of somebody's vagina. I believe she is a real woman as well. She can't control how she was born. Yes, exactly. Our souls chose this body, but we, you know what I mean? It's like, this is what we chose and this is where we're going to expand and grow in this body. And we chose it for a reason. We don't know the reason. We won't know till the other side, but we should accept our body for what it is. And there is, here's the thing. There is someone out there that's going to find you attractive. Just like how you said, I had the same thing. Like I eventually ended up, you know, going through plastic surgery because I was like, I don't have the chest or I don't have the butt or I don't have this. And so like, you know, here I am, I'm like, oh my gosh, at 21, I put down, you know, deposit to get my boobs done. I remember had so much anxiety and stress that I called and canceled because I was like having nightmares. I was like, I can't do this. But I mean, 
there was a time in my life where I was so obsessed with having boobs because my whole family had boobs and I was flat chested. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. they would make fun of me and say, oh, you know, we forgot the cutting board. Let's just use paleless chest, you know, right. and yeah. it's little comments like that, that really get a hold of you. And, and they may have meant it to be as a joke, but to me, like I filed it away in my little subconscious mind and I played it over and over and over. And then you play it so much that you dig away at your own worthiness. And that becomes your gremlin. Exactly. And and everybody has that, whether it was Mm -hmm. your boobs, your nose, your legs, your wrist, your hair, some, your skin color. We're all sitting there in, you know, we think, oh, that girl, we see them at Starbucks or whatever. And she's got you, she's got it all together. But in reality, in her mind, she's got her own little gremlin that's saying, oh, you know, I don't like this. You're too wrinkly or whatever, right? Yes. Everybody, everybody. I saw somebody comment the other day I on one of the videos I had posted and they were like, these are such wonderful affirmations. I love them. I'm sure I can't imagine you'd be somebody who needs these though. <sighs> Why? <laughs> Why? First of all, you're watching a 30 second video. Yeah. Okay. Let's. I'm always like, let's bring it back. Social media is wonderful. And again, nuance, mm-hmm. please, please. Stop. Think about it. It's a 30 second video. Why wouldn't? And wouldn't you think somebody has to actually go through something to know what they're talking about? Amen, girl. Amen. I'm just saying. And I know there's a lot of people talking who haven't. Yeah. But can you give me the benefit of the doubt that I might actually have been through some of the things I'm talking about? And I don't. I'm not going to speak about things like, for instance, on the body issue. I don't necessarily say I'm promoting body positivity. And here's Mm -hmm. why. Because I have heard some backlash and read some backlash against people who are thinner bodied speaking on platforms about body positivity mm. because they've never experienced what it is to be on the other side of not yeah. being thin. Okay. So like we were just saying, but yes, there's two sides to it and everybody Absolutely. has to experience body positivity. I don't think it's fair for them to shame anybody for wanting to speak on it. I want to always be clear that I'm speaking from a place of understanding from my experience in my body, what it is to accept how I came and for people to understand that you may view me as the ideal body type, but me growing up, that's not how I viewed myself. Mm -hmm. So understanding that, like you said, everybody has a different perception than what you may think it is. So please be open to that. And then also from the place of, well, I may not have experienced, I do know people who have. Yeah. So if I haven't been through it firsthand, you better believe I'm talking about it. It's because I've seen it happen. Absolutely. I saw another woman claim her space. Matter of fact, my whole journey into central movement, if you want to segue into that, started in a studio in Los Angeles 16 years ago. And I was with a personal trainer because at the time I was an actor and that's what you did. You had a personal trainer and you know you waited tables and bartended and bullshitted all day long until you got a part. <laughs> And sorry, I didn't know if I can curse. On your no, show. it's okay. <laughs> and and so she she's like, you know, I hate working out. Let me tell you this straight up. Like, I am not that kind of person. Like, I'm a low impact kind of human. Okay, <laughs> I like dance. I like you know stuff Pilates. Like, don't make me do CrossFit. Like, ah. So she has me working out, and she's like, hey, I went to this one class the other night. You might dig it. It's like a pole dancing class. It's like all the rage. We heard about it. The woman was on Oprah. Like everybody's going crazy about this. I was like, I like strip clubs. I'll check it out. Right. So I'm like newly married. I'm thinking first thing I'm thinking, because this is how I thought back then was this will be fun for me to bring home to him. Yeah. So I go to the class by myself. 
There's like 40 women. It's dark as hell. Can't see anything. The music is loud. There's one person in the middle. Woman's leading it. We're moving slow. I mean, it's just this whole euphoric experience. Like, I don't know what has happened. Then I get on a pole and I fly for the first time. And I'm like, <laughs> hi. I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. Then at the end, we all sit and the teachers now are going to demonstrate their dance for us. Oh. And there's like four or five different women. So there's a teacher and then there's her three assists. And there's one woman who's maybe like five, two, like all ass and hips, what the world would say, short and fat. Okay. Yeah. All ass and hips. Another girl was like 5'11". She was like mad thin, uh-huh. like as skinny as the poles that she was dancing on. <laughs> Another girl was just kind of like right in the middle. Yeah. They're dancing. The, they were all amazing. The woman I could not stop looking at, the little 5'2 girl with all the ass, because she walked out there and she owned every inch of her ass, her thighs, her belly. I was like living for this energy. And it was energy. Yes, absolutely. It wasn't about what I was looking at. Although for the first time I was seeing beauty in ways I hadn't seen it. And it was because of how she was embodying herself. And I was like, that bitch is bad. I was like, oh my God, I'm signing up. I want to dance like this one right here. Y'all were bad, but I want this one right here. (laughs) Like my ass will never be that size, but I want to move like it is. Yeah. (laughs) what I mean? It's the energy. And that's how it all started for me. I went to that studio. I became a student and then I became an instructor there. And then one of her lead instructors and then decided to leave and start my own thing and wanted to add more into it. She understood the impact of what the movement was. What I was experiencing as a teacher was that I needed more support and training though, in what was happening emotionally, Mm. because it came in as this was a pole dancing striptease class. And this is for fun. But the energy that was being moved was unlocking shit like next level. Yes. We weren't equipped to deal with it. So people are crying and I'm like, ah, why are you crying? <laughs> You're going to be all right. I understand. It was emotional as hell. I felt yeah. it because I could feel them. And the thing is that I'm taught to read your body. So I could feel her emotion. I could feel the whole story, the letting go, the acceptance, the growth. I could feel her triumph. I could feel all that in the dance. I could see yeah. it. That's what I'm trained to do but I just didn't know what to do when she fell apart at the end or how to direct them or what to say, you know? So this is where I went in and I got the life coaching certification. I didn't know about trauma then, you know, I didn't know about some of the other things that I could have added in possibly that stuff kind of came naturally along the way. Yeah. I think um, a lot of us um, need to understand. And I talk about this all the time is that our body definitely keeps score and everything that has ever happened to us traumatically, fear, anxiety, panic. It's in our cells. It's like deep rooted in our cells. It's like I said, that one negative comment that, you know, was told to me, I filed it away in my little subconscious mind. And we have multiple of those, you know, whether it came from your parents, your family, your cousins, somebody on the street whistling, somebody who said something negative at work or at school, you file those little negative nuances away in your brain and then before you know it, you're locking up your body because you're so busy trying to protect yourself. And then now you're in this movement class and you're dancing and you're like, wait a minute, your body is now back into this like free flowing place when you were like a child. I always mm-hmm. describe it as like, you're a child, you could just do whatever you want. And you're not, here's the thing too, when you're a child and you're dancing and, and acting a fool, whatever, you're not waiting for someone to criticize you. Everything you do when you're a child is like, oh my God, look how cute. You're so, look how adorable. But then when you're a teen or older, 
all of a sudden, anything you do, why did you do that? Oh my God, you look like a fool or you mm-hmm. look stupid or, or don't dance because you don't have the moves or, or don't dance because you don't have the yeah. booty or the legs or the, you know, why are you, you know, you start to get all this criticism. And then before you know it, you start locking up and you're like, you're right. I shouldn't move my body this way. I, sh- I should just stay here. And so now we're all walking around with these like, you know, negative energy trapped in ourselves. But yeah. then now when you're moving around, you're letting it go. And so you're like, wait a minute, why are you crying? Why are you crying? Right. Yeah. And that's the thing I, I always tell people, it always go back, it goes back to doing inner work. Mm-hmm. It always goes back. Anything that you do in life, whether it's business, whether it's a sport, whether it's like, I'm going to start doing this, I'm going to start running. And then all of a sudden you're like, why am I crying? You know, it's because there's so much built up trauma, anxiety, stress, yeah. panic, all the stuff within ourselves that we've never took the time to go inside and do the inner work. Exactly. And you, it's the same reason where, you know, some of my clients that had come to me and again, while I don't necessarily coach to nutrition or weight loss, they've come and they said, the diets don't stick. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, did you do the inner work though? Yeah. Because it's not just about the eating, right? It's to understand why you're eating. Yep. (laughs) Right. (laughs) It's to understand what the impulse is, or if it's, if it's just that you enjoy eating, can we just maybe redirect that whole thought and reframe it and maybe not make it such a demonized thing that you enjoy eating. Right. And, and let yourself enjoy eating. And maybe it's just about understanding more moderation as opposed to having to punish yourself. The things that we tell our children, especially, you know, because we're speaking about women in this particular thing, it's it's so important. It is so Mm. important because all those incidents that you're talking about, if we were able to have someone to bring them to, to say, hey, this happened, or to have had the information already told to us that this is possibly how the world's going to react to you. This Mm -hmm. is possibly how the world's going to see your body. You should never be afraid. Don't dim your light, but be aware. Like, How do we create awareness without fear? Exactly. I want you to be aware about walking alone at night, but I don't want you to be fearful that you can't. Growing up, I was one of seven kids. My mom had mm-hmm. five daughters, one son, mm-hmm. one of her daughters passed away. So, you know, six of us survived. But my mom was always afraid of all of us getting molested or raped. And we were always taught like, you know, if you wear that, you know, you're going to look like a whore, or you're going to look like a prostitute. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it was just kind of like all these negative words for the female right. body. So right. you you came into this feeling, uh, especially me as a teenager, I started, well, I don't want that kind of attention. Yeah. You know, and when I was a young girl, a man exposed himself to me. I was probably around nine or 10 years old. And then I felt this guilt like, well, was it me? Was it because I was wearing my bathing suit? And then I started feeling, well, maybe I should cover up more. Maybe Mm -hmm. I should, you know, and then it's just like this whole dichotomy of like, am I too sexual or am I not like, you know, and that's the thing that people are always talking about. Like, should we downsize our sexuality because we don't want to make men come and get us? Well, it's your fault because you wore that, you know, like I had a friend in high school who we ended up having this huge fallout because her boyfriend grabbed my boobs while we were dancing. And I went remember and told her, I was like, he just grabbed my boobs while we were Mm -hmm. dancing. And she was like, well, look what you're wearing. Right. And I was like, mm-hmm. I could be naked and he doesn't have the, audi- exactly. he shouldn't have the right to grab me. Right. It, and these are the things that we have a, as a conversation as women, like, how do you tell your daughter, like, it's okay to be in love with your body and to be sexual and erotic and sensual. And where's the fine line where 
you shouldn't do that because it'll tempt men. How do you have that conversation with girls or with women? I think the first thing we have to establish with them is to understand that you could be wearing a paper bag and the same thing's going to happen. Right. If someone wants to attack you, they will attack you. And while they've been studies about who they attack based on what they have on, because it's easier to get off or whatever it is, if you are going to be attacked, someone is going to attack you. End story. Mm. What you have on, I believe, if anything, it's like maybe there's been studies that they, you know, I, I understand that. But I think it's just a question more so of trying to find reasons of why men behave the way they do right. or why these attacks happen. So let's let's find reasons why. What I would tell, you know, I have boys, but if I had daughters, you know, the conversation 100 percent would very much be like, this is how the other half of the population sometimes reacts because they have not been taught. Yes. It is not your fault. The school sent you home because they have not trained the boys on how to behave. Well, that's not fair. You're right. It isn't. But it's not because of you. It's Mm. because of them. Young women get sent home because they haven't trained young men that it's okay to be aroused or look at her and think she's beautiful, but you don't act on it. And here's how you reverse that. Here's how you control that. You're not going to die from blue balls. Right. Right? So the next young woman who hears, oh, my God, babe, if you don't, if we don't, I'm going to die, I'm going to die with them. Die, twist, go. Mm -hmm. Because you're not going to. You're not going to die. So or hand them the baby oil. Go take care of it yourself. Right. Well, then you better go (laughs) handle that. You know, go do your thing. I'll wait right here because it's like I, I no judgment. It's one of those things where it's really about we're focused on the wrong thing that we've Mm -hmm. been focused on the wrong thing. We've been trying to bring everything down to dim the light completely in the women because we claim that they're, they're the issue when it's really, no, it's that we continue to allow men to behave as they do. So the next minute tells me, well, I mean, aren't we all animals? I mean, yes, but you have the gift of logic (laughs) and discernment, right? The ability to unlearn shit, even if it's biological within you, because if it's a detriment to the society around you, then you need to learn that your arousal, I mean, again, that's not even science. Like, well, because you're aroused, you act on it. No, that's been taught to you. That boy grabbed you because he saw it demonstrated somewhere that that was okay to do Mm -hmm. because he was taught whether indirectly by what he watched or the messages he received from his parents or the men in his life, that women's bodies were okay to touch, even if it, and that even more so that it's okay to disrespect your girlfriend. I mean, there's so many layers of disrespect that happened there. And the fact that she hasn't learned, and this is the other issue, we look at the women. No, even if he's cheating on you with her, even if she deliberately stuck her ass in his face, knowing he was married, your issue is with him. Mm-hmm. She'll find her issue. Trust me. It's going to catch up to her in a second. Don't <laughs> worry about her. Deal with him. Yeah. And they don't. We don't. We go after each other time and time again. And it makes me crazy because we continuously then end up brokenhearted mm-hmm. or feeling used or worthless because we keep thinking that she's the issue. Yeah, exactly. And then that person thinks like, oh, I have to dim my light because I don't want their boyfriends to be attracted to me because I don't want to lose them as friends. Girl. You know? And that's like, that is like number one thing that bothers me about females. Like you said, going out after each other, like it's not each other that we should be fighting. It's the men. Like you said, they have the choice. They have the choice to say, no, this isn't making me feel good or whatever, or I'm married or I'm in a relationship. 
And, and that's the thing that we get into these whole arguments about is like, you're right. We have to go back to teaching the men how to behave and what's acceptable and how to control right. their urges and, you know, and what's acceptable versus the women, you know, and that's where it's like talking about the peer movement classes. It's like, do people get like a little bit weirded out because of the word erotic, you know what I mean? It's like, we've all been told erotic and sensual and dancing yeah. like that shouldn't be the way women should move their bodies. Well, here, how, do you, how do you get past that? I just recently, really of the last few years, started using that word because originally I was taught that we weren't going to use that word because it was going to scare people away. Mm -hmm. But as I broke away and started to do my own thing, you know, what I realized was like, but this is what it is. And this is sexual energy. We also couldn't use that word. But this is our sexual energy and I'm not going to demonize it. And if they're afraid, then they're just not ready to talk about it. And that's okay. And when they are, they can come to me. But this is what we're doing. Erotic, sensual energy is a natural energy. Erotic, sensual energy is where we all come from. You were born because of erotic, sensual energy. It is divine in and of itself, right? The fact that we've taken that energy and done whatever we've done with it, that's on us. But yeah. the origins of it, it's pure. It's pure. So women who come to me, by speaking so candidly about it, I'm actually attracting the women who are ready to do that, though. See what I'm saying? So they'll see that and they'll understand. And they're very clear. Oh, OK. And trust me, I've had women come in there and they're very uncomfortable. When I was doing it live before the pandemic, you know, I'd have women who were like, I, I don't feel comfortable because we use hands. We use hands on our body. Touch is a very important piece to this. Your hands have healing power. Yeah, Your hands have the ability to heal. They have the ability to turn somebody else on. They have the ability to hug your best friend in that moment when she's feeling terrible. They wipe your children's tears away. And we don't turn these hands on ourselves. So we bring that in to understand what kind of touch do I actually like? Have I even investigated that? Or did they tell me when I first started having sex? Or did I mimic what I saw in a movie? Because that's what I thought it had to look and feel like. But I don't really actually know. Yeah, I think the whole conversation about like sex and ourselves and our bodies, and it's definitely been pushed down and thought of as like the no-go. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. even me growing up, I was never taught about sex. You know, yeah. my, my sisters, my mom, they never sat me down and said, this is your body. This is how it works. Nothing. Like I had to learn through, you know, friends gossiping and movies yeah. and things that you saw. And so that's the conversation that we should all be having. And, you know, going back to the males and not being able to control themselves, it's because they're not having those conversations either with the guys like, Hey, this that's is what's going to happen with your penis. And this is what's going to happen. And you're going to have these uncontrollable urges, but don't, you know, it's like, if we have could have this open conversation about right. our bodies and how magical they are, exactly how you said, you know, the sexual energy comes from the divine. God did not want us to have sex then he would have made it like so that, you know, we would just touch our ear hole and all of a sudden we were pregnant right. or whatever. You know what I mean? Right. But he created this beautiful, magical, that's supposed to be beautiful and magical moment mm -hmm. of being able to have sex and move our bodies. And, and, and not only that, but he gave us the, the ability to create our own sexual energy for ourselves, for our own pleasure. Because of religion, we've all been taught like, oh, you don't do that. That's nasty. You're going to go straight to hell. <laughs> Yeah. Right. It's all taught. Yeah. It's all taught. Yeah. And if you, if you take away the lens and you break away the barriers of everything that was taught and given to you and just like have an open mind. And obviously your body is going to tell you this doesn't feel comfortable. If it doesn't feel comfortable, then don't do it. But eventually like get to the place where you can feel comfortable doing it. 
start with baby steps, right? Right, right. But this, what you just said is very important. You you may know it doesn't feel comfortable, but what, what happens a lot is a, a lot of people, I don't want to just say women, but people don't know how to voice that. Mm. Okay, but because we're speaking about women in particular today, I have found again from personal experience and working with, there's this, I don't like it, but I don't know how to say I don't like it. Or I really want this, but I don't know how to say that. Or yeah. when I have made those requests, I was told that was kind of weird. Or, you know, you, you're kind of always telling me what to do. So I'm coming off as bossy. Mm. So here's what's interesting. What happens in this central erotic class then carries out into the world. And let me tell you how it happens because we're moving energy, right? And if you're into the chakras, you know, obviously you're going to move your sacral chakra, which is going to be like between the the pubic bone and the belly button, right? Mm -hmm. But you know that that energy, if that opens up, it's going to have to open up all the way on up, right? So it opens up through the solar plexus. It opens up through the heart. But guess what? It's going to open up through the throat. Mm. And then, I mean, between your intuition now being triggered, right? Because you're going to have your intuition, which is yes, in your third eye, but then there's the womb wisdom, right? So all this is flowing. You start to be able to speak, to communicate. I've had students tell me I was the quietest one in my class before, you know, when they were in grad school, whatever. Now I'm the first one to speak. Now I raise my hand. Now I'm not afraid to state my opinion, Right. So there's there's this difference in you owning this piece of yourself as well. And then when you are in an intimate situation, it's like, this is what I love. Yeah. We can talk about it. What do you love? But you're not, I'm not gonna just lie here and let you do whatever. <laughs> right. Like, no, we're not doing that. Like, what is that? You know, I'm gonna be actively participating in this. Yeah. And I'm not gonna be afraid to explore it. I'm not gonna be afraid to express myself. And if I am, then you're not the person for me. Not that, that I'm wrong. You're just not the right person for me. Right. Okay. And not feeling shame, right? So removing the shame around it, removing the shame around the fantasies we have around, you know, the things that we feel around the things that we want to say, express and moving shame around, you know, there's people who are like, I wanted to wear the red dress, but then it just felt like too much. I know. I had a friend who would never paint her nails red because her mom said it was like a hooker color. And I'm like, paint your fucking nails red. I was like, (laughs) it's like all these constraints that were given to us by all these people, right? And all these different religions and rules, right? Like we we were running around with sacred prostitute is real. (laughs) But here's the thing: we're running around with old programs given to us by old negative patterns. And so Mm -hmm. now we're walking around like super tight, super like wound up. We don't know why we're not moving and loving life Mm -hmm. and then you go into one of her classes and you're okay I'm just going to move well this feels uncomfortable I don't know like but once you break through the barriers and you like you said you're moving the energy through your body Mm -hmm. our bodies are these magical uh, miracles I, I always think about how I'm sleeping but I'm breathing I don't have to consciously think about it but my, my body knows, breathe in air, put it in my lungs. It knows mm-hmm. to put out the blood. It knows to circulate through all my organs. It knows to filter out all the food and digest it. It knows what to do. So trust your body, trust your hands, trust your feet, trust your everything about it. And like you said, our hands are healing. I always, me and my husband have these like, huge, long conversations about God and the divine and Jesus and all kinds of stuff. And my, I love when my husband says Jesus was a Jedi and he could do all these amazing things. And even before he left, he said, and you will do amazing things 
as well, bigger and better things than me. But none of us have ever explored that. Mm -hmm. We've never explored that because we've allowed fear and all the stuff to hold us in this little box. And I love what you're doing because it's like you're helping people break out of that box. And let space. their and let their energy flow and their soul shine. I love. I I mean, when I was watching it, I was like, I love this woman. I haven't met her yet, <laughs> uh-huh. but I love her TikToks and I just love your energy. And you could see the energy of a human being. You know, you could mm-hmm. see that. You could mm-hmm. see when someone is hurting. I I'm an empath, so I could mm-hmm. see when someone is hurting. I could see when someone is you know angry or I I just could feel the vibrations. I always tell people you take the responsibility of the energy you bring into the room. Mm-hmm. And it's very palpable <laughs> mm-hmm. because if a woman walks into the room and she just found out that her husband of 20 years has been cheating on her, she's getting a divorce. The energy she brings into the room is a completely different energy mm-hmm. than if she was single for seven years and she finally met the man of her dreams and he is the most amazing, loving, kind, and she's about she just got engaged. That's a different type of energy versus the energy of a broken heart. And, and it just, it literally it seeps out of us, but we're unaware of how to control our energy, how to release our energy and how to move with the flow of the energy called life. And who knew that it would be through your body, right? I mean, That's if we go back to all, mm-hmm. if we go back to like the tribal stuff, like there's a reason why they were doing all those dances around the fire. Yes. Yes. There was, yes. there's reason why they had all these instruments. I mean, they didn't have, they made their own instruments and they were doing all these beautiful dances. They, there wasn't any like, oh, you have to wear this certain outfit or you have to do it on this two step and you have to do it calculated to an eight count. No, they just moved. Now in, that, in, in the collective energy that's moving in that moment, mm. right? So of course. They could raise crops. They could do whatever. I mean, you got collective energy. I mean, right. imagine that, right? They can you make it that? rain. <laughs> they can make it rain. Imagine, <laughs> though, they say, they say that, you know, when they've done, I, I forgot what, there was like some indication that if they had done a mass meditation mm. and how it had raised some energy level or vibration in the community because of this one giant meditation that they had done together. You have the capacity to change the weather in the room. And people don't seem to really get that, nor do they want to take responsibility. Or they're like, well, I should be able to just have my feelings. I'm like, yes, I understand that whole movement as well. Mm -hmm. No one is telling you that you should kill your feelings, but you should be responsible for them. You should understand how they affect the room. You should understand that maybe this isn't the space for those feelings and take your feelings elsewhere. Or let your feelings just hold on to them for a second and just table them for a minute so you can get through these next 10 minutes. And then you can go back to, because I guarantee you that shit will still be there when you're on the other side. I'm just asking people to just, in the moment, can you be focused on the people whose wedding it is as opposed to your feelings? Mm-hmm. Have your feelings. I'm not telling you not to. Just be respectful of how they affect everybody else around you. But when they're all dancing, the energy is crazy in the room. I know. Oh, my gosh. And they'll be like, I was walking out and people were just coming up to me and talking to me. I'm like, yes. That's your energy. It yes, is because your light is on. Yes. I mean, I, I've gone to Tony Robbins event. I don't know if you've ever been to a Tony Robbins event, but he does like, oh my God, he does like at least two or three hours of just dancing, just pure <laughs> dancing. And I remember I took my husband who is very, very like, you know, doesn't want him. He thinks he's not a good dancer, so he doesn't dance. And I, and you know, what's funny is that I've always been told like, you're such a good dancer. And I'm like, it's because I don't give a shit. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like I, I would go to clubs and I'd be the first person on the dance floor. Why? Because I'll never see these mofos ever again. Right. So I'm just going to dance and move with the music. And I just loved dancing. And so my husband's always like, well, I just feel like you're a better dancer. And I'm like, you know, the key to dancing is confidence. It, it's, mm-hmm. You could be the worst dancer, but if you have confidence in your shining, nobody cares. They're not saying, oh, he didn't hit that beat or nothing. He, they just care that you're out there. So we're right. at this event and he's, nope, I don't want to dance. Like, nope, I don't want anybody to criticize me. But by day two, he was dancing and jumping and clapping <laughs> because it's the energy in the room. Yeah. Like no matter how hard you try to like stay in the box and deny the energy, it's really hard because it moves through you. It's like, it's hard to be sad when everyone else is happy. It really is. But when everyone else is sad and you're only one trying to be happy, eventually the sadness will get to you. Mm -hmm. It's just, Mm -hmm. it's how we connect the energy. This episode is sponsored by CoachSnap. Are you looking for an all-in-one platform to help you build your coaching business? then you need CoachSnap. It allows you to schedule appointments, collect payments, train and support all of your clients' needs. Health, fitness, hockey, football, or even life coaches can use CoachSnap. It's the business platform that will help you be the best coach you can be. You know, it all it's all points back to awareness of your body. This is why I want people to get into their bodies. If it's not through my movement, take anything. Just be in your body. And I don't yeah. think people really realize how disconnected they are. This is interesting because I'm, I'm a fitness instructor as well. So I've taught yoga before. I've taught booty yoga, you know, different style of fitness, eh, Pilates. And if I say move your left hand, someone's right foot moves. Like that's the kind of disconnect that I'm talking about that people don't realize it. Or if I go to scratch my nose, like nine people in the class go to scratch their nose because they're either so dialed in or not fully understanding this is not one of the movements. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's, but to me, again, it's like they're so in their head. Mm-hmm. They're afraid of the, again, what are people saying? And here, people might be talking about your husband. So what? Those are not your people. Let them talk. Yeah. Let them talk. If people are, you know, this is my thing with trolls. And I don't like using that term, honestly. I don't use trolls and I don't use Karen. And I don't use it because the minute I feel we start using name calling specifically, people use lose their humanity. And yeah. I you know even the person behind the nasty comment is a human being. And it allows me to stay empathetic and mm. to not go into the same negative space that they're in. Yeah. Right? It, ho- it allows me to just hold wonder for this person who must be either hurting or wasn't taught or they're living in a world where this is just their day-to-day. So imagine the and the energy that they have. Okay. So the people looking at your husband who would happen to comment, they have to actually muster if we're talking about energy, the negative energy it takes for you to first have the negative thought, but then to actually say something or to yeah. type it. And then you hold on to that all day long because then you're going to go do it again because that's your MO, right? You're mm-hmm. looking for the negative and everything around you. So that just becomes who you are. You know what a drain that is on the soul? And the funny thing is oh. that they think that they're hurting somebody else. You may have hurt me, but I have inner work I can do. <laughs> I got a lot of things that I can do that will most likely help me take care of that moment and that comment to get me over it. Or I can just mm-hmm. delete or block you. You're the one carrying that negativity, that low catabolic lower level energy. Yeah. Also you can make comments and I can't wait for the day, you know, if there is a day that this person has to meet the entity of all entities <laughs> and be like, what did you do with your time? Right. <laughs> Tell me, how did you elevate humanity? I can't wait to hear. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like get me popcorn for that one. I yeah. want to know. 
Oh my gosh. I just love you. Um, so let's talk a little <laughs> bit about your yeah. electric life coaching and how yeah. you help women. How do you help them get into their goddess mentality? So goddess mentality, you know, this is something that I, I started thinking is something that you create from whatever you want. This is the first thing I want people to know. Whatever I teach you should go into a toolbox of things that you collect along the way. I am not teaching you the way it's a way. Okay. Mm. And the electric life is a collection of different pieces of my personal development journey that I've learned or trained in that I thought were the most valuable. So we Mm -hmm. focus a lot on understanding what your personal values are, which I call your North star. Because I feel once you know those, you're able to shape your life around those. You're able to make difficult decisions based on those, right? They help keep you aligned with what it is that you want for your life. And they can evolve and change as you grow. Because what you want at 19 and value is not going to be the same thing as what you value at 39, right? Right. After that, I really work with them to help them really dig into what is the vision they want for their life. And I do believe in vision boarding. I do believe in all those things of allowing yourself to just dream. Mm. And think about what it is, because your values should align with the vision, right? So if you're really working with these two together, they're going to go hand in hand. And then from there, that's where you should be pulling your goals out of. Yeah. Right. Because too many times I was taught in the beginning, like, you know, just come up with goals. I'm like pulling shit out of my ass. I'm like, I want to run a marathon. (laughs) No, you don't. Girl, I don't run unless you're trying to rob me. Catch me. (laughs) There's no, no. So it was the false goal. It was the look good goal. It was something that I thought I had to do because I was working with Lululemon and I was on a yoga team and they were all healthy and they ran. And I was like, maybe I'll do it too. I didn't want to do that though. Yeah. Right. So it's really understanding because if I know what I value, like I value being a service, I value um, community, I value knowledge, I value legacy that I know that the things that I decide to do in my life must fit into those things. Yeah. Okay. If you're someone who values financial stability, right? But you have kids and you know, you value family as well, very high value on family, but you have a job that now is going to pull you away possibly from your family. What do you do? Because you value financial security. And this is where I work with them to go. Okay. Well, this is where you can move some things around because you know that the financial stability will provide for the family. How do you then allow that value to live and then go to the family and enroll them in what has to happen so that it may not look the same, but mom or dad will still be there in this capacity. I love that you call it the North star because one of my favorite books is the alchemist. And he talks about how everyone has their own personal legend. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you just, if you stop and you listen to your heart, it will Mm -hmm. tell you where to go. And, and the thing is, is that like, I love that you made a comment about how oh, I wanted to be run a marathon because I was part of this group. We need to break out of the group mentality. Yes. We need to break out of like, well, what does other people want me to look like? What do mm-hmm. you want to look like? Like stop exactly. listening to the outside sources and go back to your legend, your North star. It will tell you where to go. Your heart will tell you where to go. And the great thing about this life is that you have the freedom of choice and we've forgotten the freedom of choice. Mm -hmm. We have the freedom to make our own reality and create our own reality. It doesn't have to be the reality that was sold to us. Get a six figure job, work in corporate, you know, retire in Miami, get the house, get the car, get, if that's not what you want, that's the thing. It's like, I tell my clients, like not everyone wants the mansion on the Hill. 
Some people want the cottage and the farm. Some people want to live in the mountains in a log cabin. Some people Mm -hmm. want horses and want a farm. Some people want to live in the condo in New York City. That's Mm -hmm. the beauty about life. Create the life that you want. It's your North Star. And I I love that you say, go back to your values. What is your values? What is it that you want in life? Because you need to stop doing it for other people. If you continue to live your life for other people and the image that you think, every, like everyone thinks, oh, this is success. No, you will know success if you are pure in joy and bliss, happiness every single day of your life. If you're not in pure joy, bliss, happiness, you know, or in, at peace with your soul, you're not living your personal legend and following your North Star. Yeah. Which is why yeah. you should hire a life coach. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's all made up. All of those rules are made up. All yep. of it. All it's of it. Joke. Going back it's to even the up. sexual stuff. Like, you know what all I mean? Of all it. of it. Someone sat down and said, this is what's in fashion. Someone down said, this is what success looks like. Someone just decided it. Like yeah. fashion, like there's literally some person in Paris who just says, this is what's in. And right. then all of a sudden it becomes what's in. But it doesn't need to be. And, you know, when you said choice, this is important too, because again, I support women having choice to be whoever they want. So if you had wanted, like I had friends who went and got the breast done mm-hmm. and they were like, Oh, I, I eventually did it girl. <laughs> I eventually right? did and it. I, but when I was in a better place where it wasn't like I was being forced to do it because I was like, Oh my was different. Yeah. It was completely yeah. different when I was 21 versus when I was 28, when I did it, when I was 28, I was much more, like you said earlier, you're a completely different person when you're in your twenties, completely different person when you're in your thirties, you're a completely different person when you're in your forties. And that's what you have to, we're constantly evolving, growing and changing. And we have to learn to love the evolvement and the growth and the change and be fall in love with yourself. And it won't feel like you're being doing it for someone else. Like I did it for myself eventually, not because, right. you know, all my male friends were like, yeah, you'll look better with bigger boobs. No, I did right. it for myself so that I could feel good and empowered. And, you know, and I did after that, I embraced my sexuality. Yes. I embraced my body yes. and I didn't feel sh- ashamed of it anymore. Break out of the construct of what everyone else wants you to live under. And that's what I love about your pure movement classes is you could literally see as I'm watching your videos, you Mm -hmm. breaking out of the construct of like, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to, you're not going to tell me how to move my body. I'm going to move my body. And it's sensual to see, to watch, to, you know what I mean? And it makes me want to get up and start. Yes. (laughs) Come dance with me, baby. You're in LA. I might take you up on that offer. (laughs) You know, I, I, I wanted to put in that last part about choice because I do sometimes feel that women see what I'm doing and they think I'm going to jump on the whole natural body. You know, it's like, oh, mm-hmm. we're on the pro natural body. I am pro women doing whatever the fuck they want, mm-hmm. period. That's really what I'm pro. So if that means that you want to dye your hair, if that means you don't want gray hair, if that means you want to wear little clothes, you want to cover yourself up from head to toe. I don't care as long as you are doing it for you and your reasoning and your whys make mm-hmm. you feel empowered rocket. I do not care. I do not care. So I want to make sure people understand that I am pro women doing whatever makes them feel empowered, whatever that is, even if I don't get down with it. Exactly. And that's the best part of freedom of choice. Yeah. So as we wrap up this episode, what would you say is your nugget of wisdom for any fearless female who is listening now? Invest in yourself. 
invest in yourself and not just when you feel you need to be rewarded because you've done something good. Mm. Invest in your self-care from reading things that are going to enrich you and answer the questions that you have, hiring a life coach, go to a therapist, you know, go take that retreat with the wild women, go do the things to pour back into you. And investment means it's going to sometimes cost you some money, but you are worth that because the same money that you're going to go pour into some other bullshit mm-hmm. that you'll go pour into Starbucks or you're going to go pour into whatever, you know, you'll think 10 times before taking a program that could actually enhance, enlighten, broaden your perspective and shift your whole mentality. I'll do anything to get that. But right. instead, real quick, it goes plunk down $400 for something else, though. Yeah. That maybe is going to be not needed or on, you know, a trend or something that you're not even going to want in two years, as opposed to this, which is a lifelong investment in you. And I just don't see enough of us investing fully in myself included. And this has been my work this year, not just to partake in something that's going to expand my business, but do so because it's simply going to expand my soul. And I should. Ah. Mm. Oh. I love that. Expand your soul by investing in yourself. Seriously, if you're listening to this episode, you know, for Christmas, don't ask for another bag or another pair of shoes or, you know, whatever. Honestly, like that bracelet, that jewelry, whatever, that's not going to give you a return on your investment that's actually going to expand your soul. If you've been sitting here listening to this conversation between me and Angela, And you're thinking like, I don't feel that joy, that happiness, that passion when I wake up in the morning. I feel hurt. I feel pain. If there are times where you're crying and you don't know why you're crying, there's some inner work you need to do. There Mm -hmm. is some inner work that needs to be done. And so invest in yourself. Really, Mm -hmm. it's so worth it. Tell your husband, your partner, or even yourself, if you're single, just don't get the coach bag. Don't get the, you know, purse. Don't get, go and get yourself either a book Get your invest, maybe go to one of her classes. You'd probably be so shocked at how much it will expand your soul and change your new reality. 2022 is around the corner, ladies. 2022. How many more years are you going to spend on this earth not living your highest and truest potential? How many more years? How can my audience find you, Angela? I found you on TikTok. So tell everybody how to find you. I love you. You're awesome. Um, <laughs> I'm like, I need to come visit. I know. Uh, you can, we need to be friends. <laughs> I know. You can definitely find me on TikTok. You can find me on Instagram as well, just under my name. I, I'm not so much active on Facebook. My classes, though, all the offerings are available at www.anjuamaximo.com. That's A-N-J-U-A-M-A-X-I-M-O. I also have a newsletter. I've got a blog. I have um, the Electric Feminine podcast, which you can also listen to on Spotify. Yeah. So there's lots of different ways that you can get in touch with me, find out what I'm doing, find out what I'm up to, email me. (laughs) And all of her links are going to be in the show notes. Thank you again for listening to Journey of a Fearless Female. I'm your host, Paola Rosser. If you love this episode, make sure to share it with your friends. You can find me on the internet at fearlessfemale.com, on Facebook, the Fearless Female Movement, on Instagram at Fearless Female Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. And ladies, remember, we have the power to rise and face everything. Until next week, goodbye. Goodbye.